At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, Nathan, you know, we drive a lot of new cars. We do indeed. Can we say that we drive actually every new car that comes out? With only a few exceptions. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and this year has been incredible because of not just the electric new cars, but kind of after COVID, all the manufacturers have just dumped a ton of new cars on us. They have. I mean, they're sort of compensating for the past two and a half years, give or take. Exactly right. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about the best and I think some of the worst new 2022 cars that we've driven this year. Yeah, there, there are some incredible examples, but there are also a few disappointments out there. So before we get into that, uh, let me tell you about what we're doing over at TFL Bids. All right, fire away. Uh, so you know that uh, BMW 87, I'm going to call it the M5-ish BMW, the JDM car that we purchased? Yeah. We're selling that. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that was probably the most painful, the most... Uh, hair-pulling experience of the year for me. As you know, what we tried to do was we bought this um, JDM. It was a Japanese domestic market uh, M5, except that it wasn't M5. It was a fake M5, but it had all the components with the exception of the powertrain that an M5 has. Well, it was a 535, right? It was it was, a, but, but it had a suspension uh, that was yeah, beefed up and all that. And it, had, and it has the uh, appearance of an M5. So mm -hmm. in Japan, BMW sold... Uh, as close as you can get to an M5 without being an M5. And the cool thing is, in Japan, it's more prestigious to have a left-hand drive car than a right-hand drive car. So this is a left-hand drive car. Right. So, so despite it being a JDM. So somebody bought it with about 100,000 miles out of Japan thinking it was an M5 because it looks just like an M5. Right. It's got the appearance package. It's got all the M badging. It's got all the cool, cool bits and pieces. It just doesn't have the M powertrain. And then they try to sell it in America as an M5. And of course, quickly people realize that it wasn't an M5, that it was a 535, uh, you know, with M5 styling. What, what would BMW call that today? They call that the M appearance line? They call it CS. <laughs> Uh, they, they, or yeah, they'd probably call it like a, yeah, and they'd have the M yeah, appearance package. Line. Yeah, anyway, so that person tried to sell it, then that didn't work out, so we ended up buying it. And my brilliant thought was what we'll do is we'll actually create our own M5. Yeah. So that's where it got ugly because uh, I went, we went down this journey of finding the original uh, engine for it, which would have been uh, the same one that was actually in an M1, believe it or not. Yeah. But still, it was... Uh, anyway, the, so I, I don't want to... That's a whole podcast in itself, how difficult that was. It's two podcasts in it, itself. It, it is. So, so I, much. I, I found the engine that would have been in that car, and then uh, we bought it. I'll tell you one quick story. We found okay. it in San Diego from mm -hmm. a BMW shop, um, the one that would have been in the original M5, right? Right. And uh, not the S38, which would have been uh, in the American version, but the M88, which would have been the higher compression one and the European one. Mm -hmm. that, that, was the, that was the code for it, the M88. And so we bought it for $8,500, and we, I had the guys go pick it up in San Diego. We drove it to our BMW mechanic, expert mechanic, his whole life here. He looks at the thing, and he goes, where are the spark plugs? <laughs> and I went, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling no spark plugs. And what I didn't understand with that statement, Nathan, was 
that he understood that the thing had been sitting for the last 25 years next to the ocean in San Diego without spark plugs in it, which meant that salt air got into it. Inside. Exactly. Right. So when he pulled it apart, no surprise, the thing was a rusting hulk. So we spent $8,500 on a boat anchor. Yep. And then that's where the journey began because we basically had to remanufacture this engine because you can't get them, right? It's not like there's another M88 engine sitting out there. Right. They don't exist, right? This was a very rare 30-year-old engine that only went into the European version of the uh, M5, the first generation, as well as the M1, which you remember was like the, the coolest-looking yeah, sports yeah, yeah, car yeah, yeah, ever yeah. built by a German. Which which actually was a, a race car engine that they used in the German Touring Car Championship. Right. So it was a cool engine. So anyway, we had to tear the whole thing apart, and the prices and the money just kept going out the door like it was yesterday until eventually I just said, you know what, I'm going to pull the plug on this. We're not going to build our own M5, but what we do have is a really great example of an 535 with the M5 appearance package from the factory. So this was not something that was done, you know. No, this is this is a factory car, car sold that, in Japan right. as a prestigious car for, you know, BMW lovers at the time. And you still have stickers on the window that indicate that it was yeah. really popular in Japan. So there you go. It has a pedigree. Yeah. So anyway, it's got 100,000 miles. It's for sale right now. So if you want an M5 ish looking car that we never got here in America, but has the M5 appearance package, but it has a straight six that is um, completely and utterly bulletproof. The car, everything works in the car except for the air conditioning. Uh, and the guy before us actually uh, bought the parts to make the air conditioning work. We just didn't put it on the car because we were swapping out the engine. So I'm like, why put an air conditioner on the car or fix the air conditioner on the car that's there on an engine that we're swapping out? The one thing we did do, though, is we did redo the entire interior, so the interior is brand new. Yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a great-looking car. Stick shift. Yeah, handles great. 100,000 miles, no rust, uh, beautiful, uh, like, um, what would you call that color? If it was a Mazda, it'd be torn out of silver, but I don't know what BMW calls it. It's like a grayish metallic Acton fleck. Acton silver. <laughs> Inchuligan silver. <laughs> Not Inchuligan silver. It's gray. It's like a metallic gray color. Okay, it's gray. Anyway, it's for sale uh, on TFL Bids. Uh, I think it's a really cool car, uh, and it's got the original BBS wheels mm -hmm. uh, and everything about the air conditioning. It works. really does hark back to a certain time period. You know, the car itself is, yeah. I, actually, I lied. The radio works, but because it's a Japanese radio, it only works at the bottom part of the spectrum here in America. So no, you, it's not a lie. It still works. <laughs> it, just kind of. So, like, any, any station that's below, like, 90.01... <laughs> On the FM scale, you get anything above that, you don't. I think is it Blaupunt? <laughs> I think it's a Blaupunt. Yeah, yeah. I, think yeah well, it, I think it. I, I there don't know. you go. Anyway, so, it needs so a, anyway, so uh, you know, half a podcast later, yes, BMW is going to be for sale on our TFL it's up right now. TFLbids.com. So, so definitely check it out. All right, uh, I've I've I've, I've <laughs> taken up enough time. Let's get into the cars uh, that we drove this year that that you loved. Why don't we start with that? All right, well. Um, I wanted to start off with the Acura Integra. Okay. Now, by the way, first of all, let, let's talk about this list real quick. Yes. Now, we're going to be talking about the, the, around 10 vehicles that both of us have driven, some of which we've both driven, some of which only he's driven or I've, I've driven. Actually, honestly, I haven't driven that many cars this year compared to other years. This has been an off year. But the good news is that we also have cars that we didn't like that we're going to tell you about, and we know that hate sells. So it's going to be coming up at, after we're done with this top 10. So first of all, I want to start with the Acura Integra. It's a great car. So they really did a great job. I know I know a lot of people people are like, oh, it's just a dolled up looking, you know, Civic. Honda. Yeah. No, it's better than that. It's really, really good. 
Great entry-level luxury car, great entry-level luxury sport car, depending on what you want to buy. You can get one with a manual transmission that hauls butt, and it's technically a hatchback, so it has extra utility. Comfortable front seats, decent back seats, even for a big fat guy like me. Really, just a well-executed car. I feel bad for Acura because they released that ugly-looking yellow image early on, and that just totally got the public on the negative side of it. If you look at it in any other color, in any other light, up close, it looks much better. Well, basically, the, the you know, the rub is it's basically uh, Acura version of Honda's Civic Si. Which is what they've been doing for years. Well, and it's not just the Si, too. But but that could be one of the versions you get. That's the point, is that there's higher level versions. Well, it's not the Type R, so it, it, it falls in between that. That you know, Civic and the and the Type R, so it is like an SI version. It's got a little bit. I think it's got the same horsepower. It's got the same powertrain. Uh, the biggest difference, of course, is that the Acura kind of leans more into the luxury world of things, right? So it's more stylish. It's more kind of got more cachet. Whereas the SI leans kind of more into the sporty world of things, right? You only get a manual transmission. You get a manual on the Acura as well. If you get the right version, you get the six-speed, and you get the uh, semi-active suspension, which is adjust somewhat adjustable, I guess you could say. Not available on the Honda. Plus, you get a more, much more comfortable, luxurious interior. Basically, everything that the Honda couldn't be, this is. And it's also not a horrible price. I just think it's a wonderful car. I, uh, all of them, all, all throughout the line. So that's my favorite. Uh, that's the, the starting at number 10, I guess you could say. Yeah, so we, we like to do these things in TFL order, which is 10 to number one. But I was listening to a podcast today, uh, and they did this thing where they tease their favorite car mm -hmm. uh, and said, I'll wait till the end, making you try to force you to listen to the end of the podcast. So I'm just going to be my favorite car because it's it's closest to my memory. It's like one of those yeah, bucket ahead. list moments. So uh, my favorite car of the year that I got to drive was the new uh, G-Wagon AMG 63 squared. Oh, I'm so sorry, but you're wrong. But okay, keep going. <laughs> Tell us why. Because it's my dream car. Yeah. If I had won that $2 billion lottery, this is the car I would have bought. And Mercedes was kind enough to lend it to me to drive from L.A. to Colorado. I got to take it to Moab, which is on the way. Uh, and I'll tell you a funny story about this thing, right? So 577 horsepower, mm -hmm. right? It's got like 16 inches of ground clearance. Yeah, it's, it's a beast. Portal axles, right? I think it's the only car you can buy with portal axles from the factory. I don't know of any others. Do you? Uh, in, in, in the United States, no. And, and if you're wondering what portal axles are, it's just a way of getting ride height where you take and keep the drive set shafts and everything kind of tucked up underneath the car. So normally when you lift the car right, you basically can do it in two ways. You can do a body lift, which is expensive and hard, where you lift the body, or you can do it a typical way like a truck where you do like a, a suspension or puck lift where you just lift uh, the, um, the suspension uh, and don't necessarily... Well, what I'm getting at is what you're doing when you lift the suspension, right? You stick a puck underneath the, uh, underneath the, between the body and the suspension, right? Mm -hmm. You're changing the angle of the drive shaft, right? So you're making it more severe. You're also messing with the geometry of the of the way the car was built in the factory, right? With, uh, with a portal axle, you're not doing that. The gearing in the portal axle is on the sides as opposed to the center. Uh, so basically what you're able to do is you're able to lift up the vehicle because it's tidy underneath and then all of the gearing, all the stuff that makes those wheels turn at a, the right you know, speed is on the sides, hence portal, and it they hang down. And so you're able to get a lot more ground clearance off of you know something that doesn't have a pumpkin in the middle. It's, it's much more sophisticated, right? It's something you have to be engineered. So imagine like you know, you've got a drive shaft coming out of the diff that goes to the front, right? A differential. 
you've got it coming out of the low range, coming to the front differential, and you've got two half shafts coming out. And instead of going to the tires, they go to another set of gears that then drop the power down to the wheels. Uh, and so that's how you lift the vehicle. It's very expensive. Uh, it, it's got a huge advantage to like power. You can also gear it down some more. It's just a really elegant way to lift a vehicle, and that's what the G-Wagon Squared does. And in case you're wondering about the, the there's three G-Wagons, right? There's the G55, the AMG G63, and then there's this one, the Squared. People get this confused with an AMG because it is an AMG, but it's not the 63. And in terms of pricing, an AMG... 63 starts about 225,000, the G55 about 150, and the squared starts at 350. Right, and you were gonna say, uh, mention the funny story, which you did tell us. Oh, yeah, so here's the funny story. So I'm driving it from LA, right? Uh, and this thing, you literally, and I'm tall-ish, I'm 6'2", and so I can get into You're most- 6'3", with the hair. <laughs> most cars without, this one I actually almost need a ladder for. So I'm driving, and I look down, and there's a guy in a, uh, a Jeep next to me, right? A Wrangler. Mm -hmm. And he looks up at me, his jaw drops because I'm looking down on him. And then I look and I'm like, hey, his Jeep is muddy, but his muddy Jeep is muddy on the roof, Nathan. I'm looking down on the roof of his Jeep Wrangler and I see the mud on his roof. That's how tall you are in this thing. Yeah. And I'm doing 85, which is the speed limit-ish uh, in Utah. And the thing is fine. 577 horsepower out of a bi-turbo, twin-turbo V8 that, that just sounds magnificent. All the luxury you'd ever want. The new uh, G-Wagon, of course, is wider than the old one. So the old one was kind of, you know, oh, well, you know, we had that squared, right? I yeah. ran over you with it. You remember ran that? over me with one, yes. Yeah. And you remember how tight that thing was? The two of us would be like... Oh, it was so a terrible inside. The, yeah. the interior was horrible. And they fixed all that. And then you've got this vehicle that was built in the same factory, in the Magna factory in Austria, since it was in, you know, conceived as a military vehicle for the Shah of Iran, which is going back a number of years. So this thing has this kind of iconic pedigree that you can't get. I just love the thing. Um, you know, everything about it made me smile. It was this beautiful, like, blue, almost like it was Tiffany a, a blue. Really, it had presence. I'll, it, I will yeah. give it that. Yeah. I, um, it was an incredible thing. So the funny story that Roman told me, so because you totally blew it, is that he was coming out of the garage? Uh, oh, that when, one. When he was leaving let, 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 let LA. Let me tell it. Tell it? Okay, yeah, you tell it, because that's so, a better story. So I'm coming, there's a video on this, of course, altfl.com. So I park it in valet, and they parked it. I said, hey, take care of this. It's the only one in the country, which it may be. And they like parked it in the um, handicapped lot. So instead of people talking about the car, it was like, hey, you parked in the handicapped lot. I'm like, no, I picked it up in the handicapped lot because that's, and it actually wasn't handicapped. It was like the closest space that Valet had taken over in the hotel. He means physically disabled. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> anyway, so so I pick it up and I'm driving and I'm looking down on like Lamborghini Aventadors. I'm looking down on Rolls Royces. I'm yeah. looking down on other G-Wagons. I'm looking down on Teslas, right? And I'm like, I am a baller. I've got the biggest, most badass car in L.A. Mm -hmm. And so this is the first level, but there were two levels down the parking garage. So I come around a corner, Nathan, and there right in front of me, parked right in front of me, is the only other car that would be more of a baller car than the one that I'm driving. Can you guys guess what that is? I'll give you a hint. It's another Mercedes. Mm -hmm. And three, two, mm -hmm. one. Go ahead, tell them. It's the AMG... G-Wagon Squared 6x6, which Mercedes built. They made a 6x6 version of the Squared in the last generation, and I only thought they built like a handful of these. I want to say probably a dozen or so, right? Yeah, not many. Yeah, and I only thought that they were sold in the Middle East, right, that they belonged in like some collection of some, you know, some some 
It's Sultan of Brunei. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And, and there it is, parked right in front of me. Yeah, so I took with, all the wind out of your with, sails. With California plates, you know, those black plates, of course, with the yellow uh, writing. And I'm sure it belongs to somebody who will absolutely never, ever, ever take it into anything that's remotely off-road. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty awesome. Now, the good news is, and I'm going to, we got to go back. Yep. And, uh, Roman did take it to Moab, Utah. There's actually a video out there where he submerges this thing in some pretty deep water. And oh, some, dude, um, I put the camera on the door. Now, keep in mind, the door is at my waist at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And the camera went underwater. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, I was thinking, I didn't know, first of all, it was, was going to be that deep, right? And then when I got into the water, I'm like, I wonder what the water fording depth of this thing is. Because you could have easily gotten water into the air intake. There was no snorkel on this. Yeah, I was going to ask. I forgot. There wasn't a snorkel no, on this. No, so it. I was like, the second I went in, it kept getting deeper and deeper. I'm like, holy cow. Over a quarter of a million dollars and no snorkel. Mercedes, you are cheaping out. No, no. $359,000 as tested and no snorkel. I stopped. When I, I can't <laughs> say anything higher than a quarter of a million. If it's anything more than that, to me, it's, it just didn't exist. Can we continue? Yes, let's continue. All right. So the next one on my list is, and this is mine is in alphabetical order, uh, the BMW i4 M50, which is their electric all-wheel drive BMW. Roman and I drove this thing. It is magnificent. One of the coolest things about it is the fact that it is built on the same line as the other BMWs. In, you know, so it has the same underpinnings pretty much, but what they did was they created it to work with batteries and electric motors. So it feels like a BMW when you drive it. It feels like it from the inside, yet you have just a remarkable amount of torque, and it's super drivable. It is one of the best driving EVs out there. I, I'll just put it out there. It's one of the best driving EVs out there, you period. Know, you know, I, I think it's uh, – since the – I-8. I think it's the best BMW that they've made that's been electrified. I would agree. Yeah, because it just uh, it has all of the things that you want a BMW to be, which is um, presence, right? Because it's 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 a it's a it's a very good looking. You wouldn't car. know it's not a, a regular like, BMW. Yeah, you wouldn't know. Either. Yeah, and yeah. then it's incredibly fast. We uh, actually drag raced it against a, a Model Three performance, mm-hmm. and the performance beat it, but not by a lot. No, it was it was a hair. It was it was just a small amount. But there, there's a point here, which is. I honestly don't care, and I haven't cared about straight line speed. I care about drivability, and I would rather drive that BMW all day long. It is a better driving car. It's better put together. It's more comfortable, and it handles better, I period. Agree. I agree. I, I think it's, great it's, a, it's a really great car, and uh, I have to say, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of electric cars on this list. That's because a lot of the new cars are electric. It's not because we're like fans. or We have no horse in this race, guys. We really don't. But you know, most of the new vehicles that are coming out now are electric. It's going to be that way for the you know the future. So so it's just statistically, many of these cars on our list are going to be electric. Actually, almost all of the ones I currently have here are not electric. I want to give you mine. It's electric. Okay. Uh, it's the Rivian R1S. Uh, Okay. So it's the it's the suburb it's the you know the the, the, the kind of the suburban it's version. The SUV version of, of the truck. Of the yeah. truck, yeah. And I, I, I gotta say I, I'm not in love with the truck. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the truck. We've had it. I um, love it. Yeah, I, I don't like the truck. Not because uh, I think there's anything wrong with it. I don't like it because I think it's just not a trucky truck. It's a lifestyle vehicle. Okay. So to me, it represents uh, you know this this kind of outdoorsy adventure lifestyle. Um, and I like my trucks to be trucks. Sorry to say you're wrong. It okay. actually, it, because, well, it, it tows it does an amazing amount. It holds an amazing amount. It does medium off-roading. I wouldn't say super hard off-roading, although between you and I, I have a feeling it's just as good off-road as the Hummer. And 
it's oh, I, think it's, I love it's, the size it's be, of it. It's better off road than the Hummer. Well, it's it's better. So no doubt, my Suzuki Samurai is better off road. But, than but I like my trucks, dude, to be like 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 triple X over the top. You know, so if we're, if I'm gonna have a truck, I want it to be the Hummer EV. If I'm gonna have a heavy duty tr- truck, I want it to be like you know the the biggest baddest uh, Cummins out there. Yeah, you, you see what I'm saying? I, I want it to have the the most capability. I want it to have the, and, and this thing, uh, like I said. I think the people who are buying it are not your traditional truck people. I think they're people who are coming out of, let's say, um, I don't know, station wagons or, or SUVs or crossovers. Yeah, 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 seriously. He was born in the 50s. No, uh, no, look, I, okay, I get where you're going with this. Uh, so, but what makes the S so much better than the T? Uh, just because uh, it's not pretending to be a truck. It's a, you see what I'm saying? It doesn't have a bed. Oh, them fighting words for some Rivian folk. Um, but but I mean, it still I mean, has the same that, capacity that, and capability, essentially. Yeah, it's that, just a little bit That was smaller. harsh. I mean, the, the truck is a truck. I shouldn't say pretending. But it doesn't, you know, to me, somehow, an adventure vehicle is better at being an adventure vehicle if you could have three rows of seats and if you can make them flat and if you can sleep inside the thing as opposed to having a bed where then you have to go build something out and make it into an adventure vehicle. Okay, the bed. Right, you, to me, a bed re- means you're going to be like hauling and towing and not going uh, exploring the Alaskan wilderness. So you want my next one? No, let me finish one more thing. Okay, one more thing. The, the, the one thing I have against both of them, though, that, that I don't like mm. uh, is, you know, they copied Tesla in terms of getting rid of all of their buttons. And I am so done with that, Nathan. I am so done I with, agree with having you. everything in the screen. It doesn't work, guys, if you're a manufacturer. it's I get it. It's cheaper. You, you don't have to have any buttons to manufacture. You don't have to have mul- multiple controls. You can just do it all with software, but it's just a massive pain in the ass. And I'm not even going to use the excuse that if you have it, you get used to it because oftentimes what ends up happening is you're trying to do two things that normally you could do if you had like your HVAC controls. Like you could probably adjust your volume and change your temperature control, but if it's all in one screen, that is not doable. And yep. I'll give you a good example of that. When I, when I had the R1 ST, uh, I needed to adjust the seats, and my home is about 10 minutes from the office. It took me 10 minutes to figure out how to do that. Normally, you just reach to your left underneath the seat. You know what I mean? You slide mm-hmm. it forward. You slide it backwards. You flip the seat you know, up or down. This, it's in those little rotary knobs, and I could not figure out how to do that until I got home. It, it was so frustrating. Why? Why you, you know, Just don't make things more complicated. Make them simple. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Hard buttons, especially with certain things like seat control and, and heating, air conditioning, you know, that that is just normal for a lot of people to deal with. And I know a lot of you guys are going to argue, oh, no, no, no. I got used to mine in eight seconds. You lie. So uh, let's move and, on to and, the next one. Before we get to the other one, there's another point here, mm. which I think for all of you guys and gals out there who like believe that when you buy a vehicle, you buy it, and you're not buying like uh, a software that you're licensing. Because h- here's something interesting: when Tesla, uh, so for instance, like uh, people hacked have hacked the Tesla system, right? Mm-hmm. And then Tesla went and over the air updated it so that if you hacked it, what would happen is it would lock up your screen. So you, you get this message saying, you know, you have illegally modified the software and now the screen is just black, which means because without real buttons, you no longer can operate your HVAC. So you right. can't turn up the heat. You can't turn down the heat, right? Makes the car basically inoperable. And the less buttons you have, the more you're leasing the car than you're actually buying the car. 
So you try to hack it, then you're going to have a picture of Elon <laughs> popping, big, you know, looking at you. With the middle finger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and also trying to sell you a share in Twitter. You know, like, hey. You want, you, you want the blue check mark? <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed to do that, punk. You're not allowed to have heat or air conditioning. Which would be really interesting, actually, if somebody froze to death in that car and their family sued Just that a, company imagine like for 40, billions. Like, like, say, $44 billion. Like 30 years ago, if... If GM had, you know, locked out your car because you put a supercharger on it. Yeah, but see, the, then there's the other thing, though, that there's liability. And I understand, actually, why Tesla and some other companies are doing that. Because you start hacking into a car that is all electric, that, it, that lives a digital life. Same, same problem as a supercharger, liability. You could blow mm, up the engine, you could start on fire. No, but there's more to it than that, I think. It's it's more than just a powertrain. There's there's certain safety devices you might de deactivate and stuff like that. How many guys do you think started their car on fire by getting the, uh, getting, getting the, the, the wiring wrong or getting the fuel wrong in a supercharger? Uh, it's it's not even a question though. It's that there's a point, which is I, I understand the reason why they want, people want to be vigilant because they don't want to get sued. Right. That's one side of it, and that goes for supercharging or whatever else. But it, whatever you end up doing to a vehicle, it the minute you go past whatever is covered by the warranty, you shouldn't be covered. And then if something goes wrong and you hack into it and it explodes, then it's your fault. This, this isn't even a question of warranty. You didn't say you're not covered. Like, so right now, if you buy... I think that's part of it as well. I'm pretty but sure. No, no. They bricked your car. Basically, they said you can't drive your car because you mess with the software. Yeah. I mean, a, a direct analogy... I'm not saying it's a, it's the right thing to do. Right. I understand why they did it. There's no, a big I, difference there. I, I, I don't understand the reason they did it. I bought that car... I should be able to do what the hell I want with it. Which, by the way, there is a Tesla on this list. But, okay, um, all right, let's keep going. All right, all so right. the next one is the Ford Bronco Sport for me. Yeah. That's a great little car, and it is more. a car. Yeah. It's 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 not the trip. First, those of you who, who still don't know, the Bronco Sport has nothing to do with the big Bronco. The big Bronco's truck. Uh, Bronco Sport is essentially based on a Ford Escape. Um, it has a little bit of a lift to it. It has a very capable off-road. Even the base model is pretty capable. Um Great storage for a little vehicle. Pretty comfortable for a little vehicle. You know, it just, it, it ticks all the right boxes. And for me, I'm looking forward to them producing a plug-in hybrid version that can go off-road. I think that that would absolutely be a game changer in itself. But I mean, and Ford can't build enough of these because you guys are buying them. The one thing I wish it had, just because I think fans want it, is a rear tire kit that would hang off. The, even though it would be useless... I think it would be cool to have that so people would feel like, oh, I'm just like the big truck in a little one. But it's just a great little well-conceived vehicle. So, well, yeah. Well, last week's news, Nathan, was that, of course, GM is trying to make the Corvette into its own model. Line. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. And, and so this is following Ugh. in the footsteps that Ford did with the Bronco and the Bronco Sport, right, and the Mustang and the Mach-E, where they're taking – Instead of having a company uh, that is one company with a bunch of different models, now they have a bunch of different brands that is under one company umbrella. Yeah, right? yeah. That, that's what's happening. Yeah. Uh, and so this is exactly what Ford did with the Bronco and the Bronco Sport. I couldn't agree with you more on that car. It's probably one of the best. And I would say uh, most capable off-roaders in that crossover class, right? Where you're not where you're not talking about like Wranglers and, and No, but you are talking about something like the the, the Compass tra uh, Trailhawk and I think that they're very they're very competitive with each other and there's very few that will compete in that that ether. It's pretty much those those, those two that Yeah, own Subaru that Outback. Yeah. yeah. It, the Subaru is pretty good, yeah. but it it doesn't quite have the ground clearance. Yeah. And it's not quite in that same category. Um if you go Outback you're going bigger. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, but I'm saying in that class of car, it's, yeah. it's probably the best off-roader. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, so very, very good. Well done, Ford. I mean, I and it's kind of funny. I, I, just a side note, not that you take them, but I do. Um, <laughs> See, Alice? <laughs> the... <laughs> Back a few years ago, and I, I went on record saying that I thought it was a huge mistake that Ford completely get rid of all their cars and only build the Mustang and only focus on trucks. And I, 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 I'm wrong. I was wrong about that. I think Ford's approach has been very smart. Even though I don't like all of their vehicles, I really think, truly, that their direction has been brilliant so far. And, you know, I don't own a Ford right now. I've owned them before. I will say that I think that this trajectory has shown logic, and they're a lot more uh, transparent about what their ideological standpoint is with their vehicles than, say, General Motors, where even though they kept saying, yeah, we're going to build nothing but electric cars, and then they're like, oh, well, maybe we'll back off. Oh, no, 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 we're going to go forward. And they have not been very good at uh, communicating with people out there. Same could be said about Toyota, by the way. You know, people, regular folk, want to know what's going on and uh, really only a few car companies are really showing the way of like this is what we're doing for the future we're not screwing around this is what we're going to build expect more trucks so there it is okay that was my that was my little soapbox right, let, let me give you one that i drove that i wasn't supposed to drive because i drove it early oh yeah and i don't know if people have driven it yet so i'm not going to go into the details but i'm, I'm going to say it's one of the i think i can say this is one of the best cars I've driven this year, and that is, you and I, of course, just drove the Ionic 5 across country. Yeah, it was I great. Actually, I actually got to drive the Ionic 6 oh, damn you. In, uh, in Korea. Mm, um, <laughs> and it's kind of a sportier, more efficient, uh, more streamlined version of, so it's built on the same chassis, so it's got the same wheelbase. Same battery, same powertrain. Same, same powertrain, but they've uh, done a bunch of tweaking to uh, the software mm. and to some of the uh, motors to make it more efficient, so, mm -hmm. it, so it gets better range, uh, it gets a little bit more power, I believe, and it's just a sexier and more sleek-lined and more sporty version of the Ionic 5. Wow, you know, the Ionic so 5 is kind of like more of a crossover-y kind of... No, it's, it's like... it's it's. It's like a sports wagon awesomeness that's from the 80s or 90s. And this, this Ionic 6 that you're talking about is a teardrop-shaped airflow from the 1930s. So your childhood has come back. It's great. <laughs> but the point is that you got a chance. We can't go into details, but you, you had a sample. Like, and so yeah. you think it's you, – you, you can at least say – Promising vehicle on this list. Yeah, and I, I don't think there's been drive program yet for it, so I don't, no, I don't I, want, I don't want to like you know get too into details, but it, it's a great vehicle. So, okay, all right, keep going. Let's keep on going. Which uh, my next one is the Honda Civic. Okay, I think for that class of car, once again, I'm going back to what I was saying about the Integra. I just think a Honda's really hit it out of the park. No, I don't like CVTs, but Honda seems to do it right. They seem to have a better experience with them and less uh, warranty issues than certain other uh, vehicles Nissan. And so the important point for me, at least with the Civic, is that it's roomier, it's more capable. There's, I love the SI version of it. Um, I think altogether, just a really well put together car that gives you a lot of car for the money. Really well done. I, I have almost nothing negative to say about it. It's just, I think it's that good. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, um, you know, Civic, 
I would say the styling, you know, Honda seems to oscillate between like going boyhood racer and then making it too like mature. I think they need to find the sweet spot. I don't think this has that sweet spot. I think it's gotten too boring in some ways mm. uh, from a styling perspective. But the interior is absolutely gorgeous. I love the interior. I love the driving dynamics. My only fault with that car would be, like I say, I think it's a little too now uh, adult. Mm. So we went from kind of, you know, like with the with the last generation, there were like a lot of angles and intersecting lines, and it just was too much. Now it's gone a little too softy. Mm. Okay. All right, so can I do my next one? On yes, list? absolutely. Uh, GR Corolla. Now, you didn't get to drive that. It was me and Tommy on the program. Yes. So this is uh, Toyota's new hot hatch, uh, 300 horsepower out of a three-cylinder, Nathan. Can you believe that? 60-speed manual transmission. Yeah, it's like a WRX slash STI slash Golf R slash Type R Better than all of them from what I understand. I think it's better than all of them. Um, well, you're not the only one. I've heard from almost everybody I know in, the, in this segment that works with us, including Motoman and those people who are really critical on those cars, they absolutely love this thing. Yeah, I got to take it on the track. Uh, you know, it's, it's a throwback car to when uh, there was magic in the hot hatch segment, right? Mm-hmm. which is gone. Let's face it, the, 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 the Golf R has gotten... Uh, this latest generation has gone kind of off the deep end and, and has gotten w- weird with their internal controls and the chassis dynamics aren't what it used to be. Uh, I haven't driven the uh, Type R yet. Yeah. Uh, Paul drove it. He liked it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, for Colorado, I want all-wheel drive. So mm-hmm. to me, that's not on my list because in the winter it becomes almost undrivable, especially in the snow. Mm. Uh, so, so here we have a, a, a Corolla that is, you know, ultimately useful, right? So you've got this huge dollop of utility where you could put you, your wife, your dog, your kids in the thing. Uh, and then, you know, it's not like overly, um, uh, I would say, sophisticated or bougie. Mm. You know, it's just very simple and straightforward, traditional controls, traditional, you know, manual transmission, and then all-wheel drive and 300 horsepower and just puts a huge smile on your face. And you're able to actually modulate the power and move it around in terms of where it's delivered. This car actually gives, doesn't treat the driver like an idiot. This is, this is really important to me. You are, certain older uh, vehicles, including the, Super, the older Subaru WRX, used to give you a lot of control in terms of where you were pushing that power in the vehicle. Toyota gives you some of that. On top of that, they're putting it together in a package that I think is really cool looking. It harks back to the old school boy racer hot hatches without having to do anything stupid like overdo the stance or put giant, giant wings on there. Everything on there is pretty much functional. And this shows that Toyota still has the Brio. They have the lead in the pencil. They have cojones. And I'm looking forward to one day being allowed to drive one of these. So we'll see in the future if that happens. There, there were three cars that we got to drive. And they were all exceptional because obviously everything's going electric. So if you still love traditional sports cars, there was a manual transmission Supra, which just came out, which is also phenomenal. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the uh, GR86, which is, you know, uh, once again, another throwback car, uh, lightweight, uh, uh Front engine. Uh, Rear now drive it, has a Subaru engine in it. Now it's got more torque than before, mm-hmm. which was one of the biggest problems with, obviously, the BRZ and the GR86. So all three of those cars are incredible. I actually I actually had a big jonesing for that manual transmission Supra. I think that's another car that, like, 20 years from now is going to be, like, you know, the, the Mark IV um, generation of the Supra where people are going to be like, hey, we should have bought that thing. But, yeah, I'd go for the GR80, uh, GR Corolla all day long. Uh, the next one... If you go with me going moving on, yeah. is the one that's pictured here for those of you who are not able to watch, you're listening to our podcast, by the way, thank you. Uh, it is a image of the brand new Jeep 
uh, Grand Cherokee. And I, I struggled with this one for a little bit because I do not like the extended length version of this one because it looks terrible to me. It's just a dreadful looking vehicle. So why'd vehicle. you pick it? But I like the, I like the regular wheelbase one. Okay, right, Which is enough. the one that's, that's featured here, which is going off-road. And I like it because the interior quality, first of all, just starting from the inside out, the interior is amazing. Once again, Stellantis, FCA, whoever, Jeep, whatever, uh, knocked it out of the park with building, even on their lower end ones, an absolutely fantastic interior, comfortable seats, well laid out, well thought out. And then the exterior, um, I don't love the design from the side. I think it's okay, but at least it's better than the, the, the lengthy one. I like the front end of it a lot, and I especially like it when I've been seeing some people like doing some upgrades to the tire and wheel combos, although you can't do much. That's the other thing. The way the front end uh, architecture is set up, you can only do so much with tires and wheels and suspension. But I drove one of these. I drove the, um, the 4xe version. And it was fantastic. Fuel efficient, very powerful, and off-road capable in a comfortable vehicle. I just think it's an excellent combination. I only wish it was less expensive. So my only criticism of that, and I agree, it's a wonderful vehicle. Uh, the 4 by is, you know, selling like hotcakes. Because yeah, I think and rightfully so. Jeep with the Wrangler and uh, the Grand Cherokee 4 by e hit it right in the sweet spot, right, where people who aren't ready for electric, which is most of us, right, yeah. can get the benefits of an electric vehicle. Basically, you can drive that thing anywhere from like 25 to 30 miles. 30 miles, I think it is. On yeah, the, so uh, you, could you could drive it to work, plug it in, drive it home, never use a drop of gas. Well, not really. It, it goes through cycles where it'll cycle a little bit of the, the, the gas engine. You, you, you could put but, you could put you could put it uh, you could put um, it so that it only uses electricity. You can you could, yeah, three but, but it's still no no no. But the, if you uh, I talked to the engineers about this. Okay. So you could drive this thing every single day in electric mode, which right. you could if you lived in my neighborhood and drove. Oh, my I kids see what you're saying. Yeah. But eventually, yeah. what it'll have to do is the engine will actually go through a cycle. Yeah, yeah, because you'll, because you'll yeah, yeah yeah you have to cycle the fluids. But in reality, in theory, if you had a full tank of gas in February, the next year you could still be on that same tank of gas. A full tank of varnish. I think that's why it cycles. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, the point is, is that uh, I think it's just a really well thought out vehicle. Um, there's a lot going for it. And I think that we're, and I know we're going to be seeing a lot of 4xe products coming in the very near future. This kind of goes to another argument. I really do want to do a podcast on this. Why? Why are so many people so anxious to, to leapfrog these fantastic plug-in hybrids that, were, that are coming out now and going straight to electric cars? Personally speaking, I want to see what this, the, the numbers in terms of um, how much carbon these vehicles are putting out compared to, say, an electric vehicle, a regular one. And I'm well, curious, no, but, but my, point, my point is that I, I truly think that a lot of car companies out there are just hitting this amazing zone now. The downside is you're driving a vehicle with two powertrains. So yeah, but they've heavier. already proven. Toyota has some of the most robust systems out there. These plug-in hybrids, essentially the same thing as bigger batteries, they are proven to be really, really you know, like you know, long-lived. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you're driving something that's heavy for the sake of having two powertrains, which isn't you know grand for performance. But I agree, it's it's where most of the country I think is at right now. I think most people can ease their way into electrification. The other good thing, until they passed a new legislation, was you can get full credit with that. You know, so you can get your seven and a half thousand dollar federal rebate. It's battery size that actually uh, that dictates. Right. It. Yeah. All right, and then. Uh, Local incentives applied as well, so people are just buying these and flipping them to take the take the tax credit. I, and I, I understand that, but it's it's 
hopefully the you know cooler heads will prevail in the future and we'll figure this out. So let me, I just think it's fantastic. Let beautiful. me get, let me give you my only criticism of that. And yeah. I was just talking on a podcast. I was just on a podcast with, or I don't know if they call it. Uh, it's uh, a Motorline After Hours. So it's their live show that they do with Jim Morrison. Oh, well, Jim. Yeah, so the man. Jim is the head of uh, Jeep. Uh, I don't think he's the CEO. I think he's got another title. But anyway, he's a big cheese there. And so I asked him, Jim, why do you have, and this, this is what they have now, right? They have a Grand Cherokee, a Grand Cherokee L. Okay, mm-hmm. I get that. So you have a two-row two and a th- three-row. But then just right on top of it, and maybe probably going into its uh, pricing a little bit, is the Wagoneer and the Wagoneer L. That's what confuses me, too. And I- then... Right on top of that is the Grand Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer L. Uh, yeah, six it's... different models, basically that sit in the kind of the same space. And I'm sure that the Grand Cherokee starts like at 55 or so, and you could probably top a Grand Wagoneer out above 110, 120. I'd say about 125 at this but, point. But still, I mean, they're very similar cars, and, and they they look a little too similar. And they look a lot. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one of my issues. And I got to talk to Ralph about that. Ralph, you owe me a cigar. Ralph we're going to sit. Yeah, because we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about this, bro. Seriously, the, <laughs> the thing is, is that they're really well made. They're really good, but the the visuals on all of them. You kind of sit next when they're sitting next to each other. You have to kind of squint and go, okay, that's that one and that's the one. They, they, yes, and oh, here's the other part. They don't want the Grand Wagoneer to be called a Jeep. Yeah, it's its own brand. That's stop that marketing. Stop it. Well, that's like Ford with the Bronco and Bronco Sport. Ah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get confusing. Just call it a Jeep. Come on, save us. And, and Jeep has such a strong brand identity. Why would you want to? You know, not we already it? know they're too don't, expensive. Don't, don't run away from it. Yeah, just embrace it. <laughs> Lean Come into on. it. All right. So my next car, I just drove this to Moab with Andre, uh, and I, I really liked it. Uh, it's the new uh, TRD Pro Sequoia. Uh, and here's something interesting. Yeah. So apparently the only reason, because Sequoia wasn't selling that well, right? So it's a three-row uh, big SUV that for a while there uh, was kind of the talk of the town. And then obviously it got kind of old and it got kind of... Hand, partially hand-built, by the way, for a while. Yeah, but that, that's what made it expensive. Yeah, well, that... Uh, so, so, so one of the unique things about the Sequoia was that it had independent rear suspension. Mm-hmm. And the way they saved it is how do you think? What do you think they did with it? Well, I already know what they did. They, with they it. went back to basically building it on the Tundra chassis. So now it's got. But they, that's how the solid saved axle, it. yeah, right. They saved it because uh, Mike Swears basically went to Toyota. All right, <laughs> who's the and chief engineer? He, yeah, good guy by the way. Um, and he said, "I want to build a Tundra wagon." And you know, what, what? what he wanted to do was to save money because they didn't. They wanted to kill the Sequoia completely. They were done. They weren't selling. So he said, I will take the Tundra, and most of the components that go underneath the Tundra, I will put inside the Sequoia. And I think that he succeeded, but there's a lot of caveats that go along with that. So now continue. Um, The caveat is that the back seat space has been compromised because of two reasons. Now that you've got a full... uh, non-independent suspension back there, a solid axle, it takes up space. And the one that we had has a battery that's back there. Mm. So there's not a lot of leg room. You're kind of sit in the second row with your legs up pretty high. And then if you go in the back row, your your knees are in your face yeah. in the third row. <laughs> Poor Cole. He's, yeah. he's our, our new camera guy. He's a fantastic kid. And he's amongst us. He's one of the smallest. What do you say? He's about like five eight. Yeah, <laughs> he just didn't fit. He's like, go on back there, kid. And he just, you know, was practically in a yoga position to get back there. I think that looks wise, the Sequoia hits it out of the park. I love the way it looks. I think it's way better looking than a Tundra. 
my personal thing. We had the ones that you guys, by the way, they took it to Moab. And there's a whole series that's coming out with that and, and also other stuff going on, which is great. But looking at it, and it's the TRD, so it's the full off-road version. It's solar not, orange. Holy solar shit. or fantastic looking orange. Hey, I took, let me show you this. You guys won't be able to see this, but Nathan will see this. This is the best picture I've taken of the year. I took a picture of it up at Hurrah Pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is like a professional like cover shot. What do you think? Well, I'm going to describe it to the... That, that's a really good shot. You managed to not do it with shadows, which yeah. is something yeah. a lot of our... Yeah. yeah. It's... So, yeah, there you go. You can't see anything. Um, and speaking of that, people have suggested that we swap out the pictures back here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, we should do that. Definitely should do that. Uh, but once again, uh, more production. Uh, so the only reason we can actually do this podcast is because of our Patreon supporters, right? right. This does not make a lot of money. We're trying to get it to monetize. So we are putting in annoying ads. We apologize for that. But if you guys want more production... We need a bigger budget. We need a, so we got to pay people to do stuff like there's, that. There's nobody on a soundboard or, or hanging out yeah, with us. Yeah, it's just, it's just me and Nathan us. in this room, basically. Right. So, I mean, and if you want me to, to, on this computer, shift the pictures behind us. You don't want him to do that. You do, because there are some fantastic adult sites I want to show you. <laughs> he will. Um, and I'll do it. Um, and it's, yeah, so it's, Nathan, it's pretty nasty stuff. That, that's so, diapered and dominated. That's yeah, not a sequoia. No, they use motor oil now and, and chains. Um, so let's move. So I agree with you on the Sequoia. It looks wise. I I like the way the interior looks too. It's not the most comfortable vehicle out there. Um, and also for those of you who are serious about off roading, its ground clearance isn't great. No, it's like a Subaru. <laughs> it's a little higher than a Subaru, but not much. And so you have to keep those things in mind. But for blasting down dirt roads and switchbacks. Andre was breaking limits, not only in the United States, but most countries in terms of what he was doing off-road. He thought he was in Dakar. <laughs> you thought he was Ivan. <laughs> I, Iron Man Man Stewart, Stewart, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Andre doesn't speed that often. We're, we've been... So we're going up Harad Pass, right? Yeah. This is now, last week in Moab, December. No one is in Moab. Finally, no one's there. And he's flying around, and I'm like, Andre, no one is going to, you know, be driving this like uh, like Sebastian Vettel or Sebastian Loeb. Loeb. Yeah, either of those two. You know, this is a family hauler, right? And he's like, the faster I go, the smoother it gets. So I'm like, yeah, true that. <laughs> Which is, this is unlike Andre. So we, we were loving, you know, I, I heard about this and I was just delighted. Yeah, you go, Andre, you get him. Go fast. Yeah. So. And no sequoias were hurt in the making of the video. And those are coming, by the way. Uh, um, we still have to edit those videos. So we, we did really a comp- good power, by the way. We did a comparison. So we road tripped the Hummer EV versus the Sequoia. I know they don't compete. Even though, dude, the one that we got, how much did it cost? How much Over was 80. it? 80,000. Yeah. yeah 80,000 out the door for the Sequoia TRD Pro. Yeah. And then the Hummer, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah the Hummer's more. But anyway, we, we wanted to do a video comparing what it's like to road trip a gas car to an electric car. And you know what happened, hmm. Nathan? I drove it from, which is pretty far. So from here to Moab, 360 miles and back without paying a penny, dude. I didn't cost me a penny. Every station I went to was complimentary. <laughs> Every charging station. I was like, I was even the one where I didn't need to charge it. It was still complimentary. Yeah, that's the, those days are it, it, don't be over. expect them yeah. to last. Yeah. Okay, so well, don't go years, out there with a you know, well. TFL said it would be free. Ten years from now, I'll be like, remember Nathan? <laughs> it's twenty bucks for me just to stand here and look at it. Yeah. Um, okay, so idling fees. Remember when there were no idling fees? <laughs> now, because we're going back and forth, because we've blown through some time. Um, I'm doing five one? on my side. He'll do five on his right, side, okay. and then we'll talk. So the last one on my list is is another Mercedes. Okay, and I'm not 
that big of a fan of Mercedes personally because you guys know I'm a cheapskate, and so I could never even envi envision owning one. But this Mercedes-Benz GLS that we had, that white the, one, the big, the big, uh, cro the SUV, big yeah. SUV crossover, yeah. was extraordinary. It was fantastic. Not only that, but our friend Motoman actually got that about a month after we had it and drove that around the city while uh, he was filming in town. This is a while ago, and the performance, fuel economy, surprisingly. And overall, build quality of this thing was just exceptional. It was the best Mercedes that I had driven. If I had, what was that thing, about 75 for that one? Oh, God, no, that was more. Was that the more? The GLS would be more, yeah. That, that's probably starting at 75. Was it that, okay. Yeah, so probably at more like 100. So if I had stupid money and I wanted to buy a vehicle that didn't make any sense for my lifestyle, that would be one of the ones I would consider. Was it an AMG? No, it wasn't. Oh, it, was, it had the uh, AMG trim. Appearance package. Okay. Right, so I think it had the nice wheels and yeah. a couple of things, but it, it, it had the... I remember it, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. hybrid powertrain. Yeah. It was a fantastic powertrain. Really, really, just the architecture. Everything about it was great. Um, honestly, it was the best Mercedes I've driven in years. You know, we may have to, because you know, we try to keep this to an hour, so maybe we have to do this, part two of this. So I'll give you my uh, favorite, the one that I really enjoyed the most, outside of the G-Wagon. Mm. Uh, number two, if we're going down, would have been, this would be, you know, number two, the new Z. Oh, the new Z is great, I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the new Z, um, you know, it. Uh, I'm a Z guy. My family has owned Zs. Uh, and it's nice that Z has its mojo back, right? So, uh, twin turbo V6. Uh, I drove the blue one. It was, I mean, for the, you know, the, how do I put it? The amount of money they spent on it because yeah. they didn't have a big, they didn't have a big. The interior, interior is still very similar to the old. It's similar, but I still think it's a great car and it has magic. Yeah, it has magic. Even though it's probably not the fastest car out there, I just really do enjoy just the feel of it. Sometimes that you know you you don't need to spend a lot of money to get some magic because the chassis is very similar to the 370 mm -hmm. but the styling is so much better the power you know i mean let's be real here uh you know they said they improved the chassis but what they did was give it fatter and wider tires <laughs> and <laughs> so suddenly that just takes everything and turns it back on its head but yeah but you can get a manual which is great mm -hmm. uh automatic uh you know blips the throttle uh while you're downshifting uh you know very quick accelerating car uh and i actually fit which is you know yeah which is that, great that, that that is huge and um um, just so you guys know, this it doesn't have the super hikus the steering like some of the older ones. Had. Super hikus all wheel, yeah, four wheel steering, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like the one you had had, right, yeah, um, three hundred, yeah. But it, it's still, I, I really, I, I give Nissan a lot of credit for building a car like this in a time where everybody's got a gun to your head saying you have to build on an EV, which brings me, if I may, to the ones you hated. Yeah, well, all right. Okay, so two of them I hate. One of them I hate because it hasn't come out yet. I'll give an honorable mention to the new Range Rover, too. That you hate it? No, that I loved it. Oh, oh the new Range Rover. Yeah. Range Rover. Yeah, the Range Rover. That which, was pretty. Which Range Rover? The newest, the 2022. Oh, oh, you mean the, like the, Range the, Rover. The, 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 the Range Rover Range Rover. Not uh, the Sport that just came out. The, right. the, the traditional Range Rover. Okay. Uh, where basically it looks very similar to the outgoing one, mm -hmm. uh, but they just uh, imp in small increments over the years, they just keep tweaking it and tweaking it and tweaking it until, you know, it's probably one of the... Th the thing about Range Rovers and Land Rovers when they're at the best is, like, you get in the thing, right, and the world may be crazy all around you, and you feel like you're all of a sudden in a safe space with just wonderful... Uh, um, a Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I, I will say... Yeah. 
that um, it's just it's just everything's right with the world when you get into it. It's right. uh, it's quiet, it's serene, and it just feels like you know you are in this lap of luxury. It's a lot of money. They've gone up past two hundred k now. Like you know, the autobiography I think is one hundred and seventy thousand, yeah. and you can even go beyond that. But as a and you know what, uh, they just reviewed it uh, in Top Gear. Did you ever watch Top Gear? The the, the current Top Gear. No, I don't bother now with that. I, my parents are married. <laughs> What does that mean? Nothing. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. I don't get that joke. No, no. All right, I'll, I'll let Back. you guys figure it out. Okay, so uh, no, anyway, I, I, I don't watch new Top Gear. I, I, they, I just re- they just reviewed it, and they took it like on a King of the Hammers kind of course in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there was a lot of uh, shenanigans going on because they made it do things that it probably can do, but you would never want it to do. Well, like that, it went over a really like hard rock. So are you talking about the the, the TV series of yeah. those three guys and, yeah. and all well, that? The, the, yeah. the two guys I can't understand, Chris well, Harris, so Freddie, who I can't understand. Well, Chris too. Harris is great. Yeah, I mean, I'll say, guys, I, I'll say it in public. I think Chris Harris is, is an amazing human being. I just can't understand the other just, two guys. Well, that's the thing. I don't. It's like is the, the show show Welsh or something. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't. You know, and there was a lot of movie magic going on because you. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it's got air suspension, but you're rolling on 22s, which is a horrible tire to take off road. Well, it's a horrible wheel to take off road. That's for damn sure. You know, and so so they did a lot of stuff with it that I think um, you would, and I think they did. You know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage to the thing by doing what they did. But they're Top Gear, and they can do that. Mm. And I'm sure, like like I'm sure, uh, Land Rover and Range Rover can write off a car. But uh, I, I, I had a hard time suspending my disbelief because I've actually taken it off-road. I know what it's like off-road for real. And sure, you, you, know, you could treat it like a, like a, like a 1990s X, XJ, right? Mm. Uh, and it'll probably do it, but who in their right minds would? If it were your car, if you spent 170 k, if I had that type of ridiculous you money still to wouldn't. buy a ridiculous vehicle, that's it. That's okay. Yes. Let me ask you: this. You, you just won two billion dollars. You won that billion dollar lottery. Yeah. So you go out and buy. You you, you could go take it on King of the Hammers and just beat the you know living daylight. Oh, I, I'd do it in a Ventega. Wow. Okay. Huh? Yeah. Just to make a point. I couldn't. I could. I have all my toys I from would, when I was a kid. Yeah, I would beat the crap out of it because I could, and because I'd like to show everybody. You see, lovey, you can take this off road. Uh, real that, quick, that's point. exactly uh, what they did. Yes, and by the way, I wanted to do this real quick to BBC. Maybe hire journalists to cover Top Gear in the future on both sides. That's my personal opinion. I'm done. Okay, let's move on to the vehicles I didn't like. Okay, um, one of which hasn't come out yet. And that's one of the reasons I hate it. I'm just really, really ticked. Okay, what's we that? were talking about Nissan, right? Yeah, Aria. Oh, the Aria. I what the, the hell? I drove the Aria. Yeah, you did. Guess what? It's not out yet. I know. I what, know. What, what? Where is it? I know. It's not here. You know what else isn't here? My uh, my number two. What's that? ID Buzz. Yeah. I Europeans know. get it. Why? No yeah. suppress? Come on. Yeah. I am so over that. I'm done with that. I so think a lot of people are. It, you, you guys are just saying, you know, okay, here's this great thing, but Europe gets it you know, first. I, I, think, I think you're exactly right, Nathan. Corolla, uh, GR Corolla, same thing. We did a video. No one cared. And I think not that people don't care about the car. I just think people are sick of unobtaining them because they yeah. know that dealers are going to mark the, the snot out of this but thing. But it's not even marking it. They're not even here. They're not even being put right, in the but, factory. And, but once they get here, they're going to mark the snot off of them, yeah. out of them, right? So they're going to they're going to up them by 10 to 20K, which is you know crazy. Uh, and people are sick of like having dreams that can never be fulfilled because of greed or supply chain or mm. COVID or chip shortage, you name it, people are just done with it. Yeah. Like if I can't buy it, why even dream about it? It's like, it's like, you know, like window shopping, but the stuff in the window you could never buy because the stores never open. 
I, I I would agree with that, but I'll go a step further. A lot of automakers out there are promising vehicles that they're not producing. And with Nissan, the Aria, when they first came out with the concept idea and everything else years ago, they made it seem like it was going to happen pretty damn soon. And now you've got all these other automakers who are producing vehicles. Nissan, who was leading at one point, leading the fight to produce an EV that everybody could drive. Here they have their all-wheel drive EV finally, and we still don't have it on the roads. It's inexcusable for the amount of time it's taken. We should at least have examples out there so that the regular human beings out there who want to buy one can actually at least test them. Come on. So and then and then Volkswagen inexcusable with the ID bus. Well, the Aria is going to be one of those cars where when it does finally come out, it's going to be like one version or one generation old when it comes out. As it's opposed, already is. As, 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 yeah, exactly. It's already one generation behind the newest crop. I mean, you you hold that thing up to an Ionic five or an Ionic six, right? Mm. And it's just going to look like it's going to look like the iPhone ten. And, and and then less expensive because speaking of Volkswagen, Volkswagen is the ID for all-wheel drive. Not the best of all the EVs out there, but one of the least expensive all-wheel drive EVs you can buy. And when the Aria comes out, it will be more expensive than that one, and it may not be that much better in terms of tech. So we we I had this rant last time, but I don't understand why they just didn't build the ID Buzz instead of the ID Four at the Chattanooga. I plant. completely agree with they you. Would, they would they would they would sell the the Jesus out of it. And I, I got to tell you, one of the cars I'm not like in love with is the ID Four. I just think as an electric car, it's just a toaster. Yeah, it's an appliance. It, I, I'm it, not going to debate it, that at all. It works, but it, it's but, totally fine. It's completely adequate. Yeah. it's got good room. It handles okay. I don't like the I, the the the, 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 the IP and all that. Are, are yeah, not good. Are not not good. Yeah, it's but here's the problem with the toaster once upon a time there was a generation of people that me and you grew up with who wanted camrys and accords uh, because they were just reliable uh, transportation yeah. right and, and they didn't care they didn't care about what it said about them they didn't care about what the car did or didn't do as long as it you know got them to work reliably that was enough those days are over dude people today are very picky about the vehicle and what it says about them that, that world of people who just don't care is getting smaller and smaller and smaller mm. and so when you're starting to build toasters uh, it's going to be harder and harder to sell those toasters as opposed to like the really cool cappuccino maker, which is the ID Buzz, which you're not giving to us, but only to the Europeans. I don't, I hate, and I also hate as just an American being treated like a second class citizen because we have a much bigger market here than they have yeah. in Germany, yeah. in Norway, yeah. in, you know, wherever you sell them. And yet, why would you not sell them in the world's biggest market, but yet sell them in... It doesn't make it makes, sense. It makes no sense. And it's like I, very Eurocentric. Yeah, and it's, I just think that that... And you, Volkswagen's not the only one who does this, but uh, we're picking on them specifically because we know for a fact that Europeans aren't now driving around in ID buses and, and, and different versions that we won't even be getting here, including a cargo version, which you made a panel van version of that with, with the, the smaller... Uh, performance package, and you would sell the crap out of those things. And you know what else is happening, which is also a bad trend right now? Mercedes announced, I think it was last week, that they're going to start charging $1,200 a year Ugh. to increase performance on their uh, EQ uh, electric vehicles. So if you want, like, you know, to go from zero to 60 in a half a second more, you're going to have to pay $1,200 a year. Mm -hmm. uh, BMW did the same thing for heated seats in China, yep. right? I think that's just incredibly devaluing to a brand. I know that that's where the world is heading, Netflix and all, but still, as a, as a premium luxury car maker, you start nickeling and diming people. It just really says 
the bad and the wrong thing about your brand. It says like, hey, we, we are we are the Mercedes dollar store of the world. Pick one. Just pick one. Yeah. And what's going to happen is you're going to have a competitor, let's say Genesis, or one of the other competitors out there who's like, oh, we don't charge for that. Yeah. Come and take our car. Yeah, And, and, and they're going to take market share. Oh, they're going to absolutely own it. And then people are going to be wondering, well, why didn't, when we hired that kid who told us to do that, he promised us that we'd make a lot of money. And we did. And then it stopped. What happened? Well, guess what happened? People got wise and figured out, hey, it's no fun to be nickel and dimed, even if your clientele is financially well placed in the world, they do not want to pay extra money for something that the car should come with. Come on. Okay. Enough for the ranting. Yeah, I think we're good. So what do you guys think? Put it in the um, comments below. Was Roman wrong or was I right about some of those cars? I think that we all know. And more importantly, what do you think should be added to this list? What have you driven this year that has been exciting and perhaps really spoke to you or something you really disliked? Let us know in the comments below. Yeah, we're lucky that, uh, you know, if we dislike it, we, we get to watch it leave the office a week later. <laughs> yeah. Unlucky if we like it, we get to watch it leave the office Yeah, as well. I, I do hate watching cars leave. There's been a lot hey, of you, cars you, that I'd you, like. You have a burning hatred of the Hummer EV. I can't stand it. Why? Why I is it? it. Why? I hey, we'll, we'll, you're, you're doing it. A tr let's do a little. We'll do Later this week, we're going to do the top 10 uh, trucks that we loved and hated. Oh, that's going to be on my, number one. On my so, list. so give us a little preview of, of the burning hatred of the Hummer EV that you have. Imagine, if you will... You and Andrew are going to do that show now. Imagine, me. if you will, putting okay. me on a single roller skate. Me, Nathan. <laughs> okay. Okay. And like, then, like a polar bear on a roller skate now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. And then asking me to traverse heavy off-road areas and be... <laughs> It would be amusing. It would be amusing, right? <laughs> Watching me fall on my ass and, and tilting over but and everything else. But polar bears are surprisingly agile on the ice. Okay, we don't have to say polar bear. Hippopotamus, I'll say that. <laughs> They're not very good on ice. The point is, is that I find that everything about the Hummer that's well, supposed to make it polar special. Polar it's white. The, yes, it is white. Um, the, the Hummer EV is n not a brilliant off-roader. Um, it weighs over 9,000 pounds. All that 9, weight. 9,400. We, we weighed it <laughs> with the spare tire. So uh, that much weight off-road in almost any environment, plus its overall girth, is completely <laughs> What's wrong with girth? It's, it, you can't go down on a trail. Uh, there are trails I can go down in, in a half-ton pickup truck, which I cannot do in, in look, a Hummer. Look, okay, we've taken the off-road seriously twice now. Yeah, it's and done terrible. It's done even in Moab. It and it doesn't work well. Like it just the, doesn't work well. The, 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 the off-road height, you know... Uh, Stopped working about halfway down the trail because I think the compressor started overheating. Some line because it didn't lift all that weight. And then the, 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 its locking system wasn't and, and working. the front locker yeah. only worked half the time. <laughs> Don't know why. I couldn't figure it out. Andre was like, did you hold the button down? I'm like, I held it down for like 20 minutes. It's <laughs> I was punching it. I was holding it. We don't, wanna, we don't want to blow everything that's coming up in this next video that you guys are going to watch with it going off-road. But and it's, to me, what's important is that a vehicle, if you build it, for a certain segment, and if it doesn't do well in that segment, then it's done poorly. Um, all right, let me defend the Hummer, okay? Defending. Okay, because I love that truck. All right? It's yeah. one of my favorite trucks we've ever had. Yes. And that's because it makes no sense. Once again, it, it's not good off-road. Sorry, Al. That's the chief engineer. I know you said the dinosaurs, uh, what was it, that uh, uh, raptors would be extinct. They're not. 
it, it's just it, it's just, it's I come to the conclusion that you know they developed it in record time, mm-hmm. and I think it's a little half baked for what it is on the trail. But having said that, as an on road truck, it's brilliant, and I'll give you three reasons why. Okay, okay. as an on road truck, on road. All right, first and foremost, it's got this massive battery, so unlike the Lightning, it actually will go 350 miles on a charge, which mm. is huge for. Yeah. But but that's because of this massive battery. The battery's huge. But the, but the range is there. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, number two, I was driving it around yesterday. I never got so many thumbs up. People just, you know, people are like, like, wow, because it's you, rare. You, yeah, you're thinking thumb, but it's middle finger. You're getting, no, 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 no. You're in Boulder, no. dude. They're giving you the middle no, finger. No, no, no. A, a cyclist, like, like this little thin cyclist stopped me, right? Yeah. And he's like, oh my god, I've never seen one of these. Tell me about it. This is like a typical Boulder ride, right? Yeah, and then and, when and he pulled away, he spit on the. Fa- he I'm did not. He loved it. He was like, "I he love this it. thing. We bought a we bought a Model Y. I wish we could afford this. It was just hilarious." So, so I think people do connect with it. Mm. Uh, and and I, I, honestly, it does have a street presence, and a lot of people do like it. And then I drove it home in a snowstorm, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it's really good in the snow. Okay, so it is good if you're you know meet inclement weather. Just don't take it off road and you'll be fine. Most people won't take it off road. Let's face it. Maybe GM was like, we got to develop this thing in half the time. So we'll make it off roady and we'll do some testing. But like I say, on road, uh, it's great. Off road, it, it shows its weight very quickly. I am very curious to see what Jeep does when their uh, recon, I think is what they call it, when that comes out. Uh, people all- keep people seem super excited for an all electric Wrangler, Nathan. Well, that, that's essentially the recon is going to be the first step in that direction. Then the Wrangler, I think, comes after that. But we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, that, that's, that's a whole preview different topic. Of, of Nathan's and Andre's Talking Truck Show, which is yes. coming later this week. Uh, so you guys go at it. And I just wanted to give my two cents on the Hummer EV because I, I do love that truck uh, on road. Okay. There you have it, folks. Once again, let us know in the comments below how wrong Roman is. And we'll see you next time. Ciao. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.